And now, The Mentors Radio, one of the most popular and unique shows on the air today. Here each week, remarkable CEOs and leaders, including host Tom Laurie and Dan Hesse, and their guests will mentor you, challenging your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their ethical leadership and advice, and for helping others succeed throughout their careers, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Learn more and check out the show notes at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, here's your mentor. Thank you for joining us. I'm Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. Today, we have a very distinguished guest, Dr. James Hollis. Dr. Hollis has been a prominent figure in the world of literature and psychology, offering profound insights into the realms of purpose, meaning, and personal growth. As a prolific author with an impressive 17 books to his name, including titles such as Living Between Worlds, What Matters Most, and his top-selling Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life, Dr. Hollis has masterfully translated the profound teachings of Carl Jung into practical wisdom for our everyday lives. His works have been celebrated for their depth and accessibility, guiding countless individuals on their journey to self-discovery. Welcome. Jim, to the mentors, thank you. After such a arduous effort on my time to get you on the show, I really appreciate you joining us. You're uh, somebody that I've had on my bucket list. And we're in our seventh year, so that gives you some idea how hard it is to get you. Well, thank you, Tom. It's a privilege to be with you this afternoon. So I want to start off with three thoughts and, and what why I'm so uh, interested in your work. I've read your books. They're profound. They're dense. Uh, they're provocative. Uh, they're easy to read. I don't, when I say dense, it's just, they're loaded with material. It's, it's not a, your, your books aren't books that you can, you know, read overnight. You have to read and think about them. And I, and I love those kind of books and I really appreciate what you've done and your uh, contribution. So my dad, before he died, uh, he told me he was ill and he was telling me, he said, uh, as he was reflecting on his life, he said, we focus on the wrong things in life. My dad was a very successful advertising executive. And when I asked him what the right things were, he said, that's going to be something you're going to have to figure out. Uh, that conversation has haunted me my entire life uh, on making sure I understand what it is, going back to what you called your book, What Matters Most. Maybe So that's one thing. And the other part is I've been reviewing books since 1999. I've reviewed over a thousand books. And of course, with the radio show, I've seen an uptick in authors and speakers really providing their take on purpose, meaning, and happiness. Why do you think, maybe you can couple that with my thought of uh, my my conversation with my dad, there's something going on here. There's a, there's a trend. There seems to be a search. I, I even It seems to me... It's accelerated. Do you have any comments on that? Well, Tom, I think your father's comment is a positive haunting for you. Ironically, I wrote a book called Hauntings a number of years ago that talked about the way in which we have these voices within us, so to speak, these uh, these clusters of energy that when triggered come up and perhaps take over for a moment. But that's a positive haunting because I think your father's advice was well well said. Uh, you can attain all the goals you want in your life. And many people have done that. And they find there's still something missing. 
if it's not meaningful to you, you know, then then there's something lacking that your own psychology is going to respond to, whether you know it or not. And so particularly in the past century, the uh, chief goal of life was to make money, uh, buy things, uh, enjoy your life. And, um, you know, that's going to take care of everything. Well, number of people have achieved that. Are they happy? Is there some sense of abiding uh, satisfaction that they have? You'd have to talk to each individual. And of course, what you do, and of course, in my profession, I do talk to such individuals. Uh, you find there's also some deep ache within most people. There's some deep longing for some sort of connection. And then the quick question comes up, connection for what? And, and then I think we, we realize whether we like it or not, we, we are creatures of the spirit. We're not just creatures of matter. We have plenty of matter around us, whether it's food or property or whatever, the newest shiny thing, as they say. Um, but there's something that doesn't necessarily speak to the spirit. And, and until you have that experience, everything else is going to prove disappointing and ultimately very, very transient. What would be a practical guide on trying to sort that out? Well, the truth is <laughs> we are loaded with uh, systems. Whether you know it or not, we're loaded with systems that tell us what's right and what's wrong for us. The problem is when we're tiny, when we're children, we're toddlers, we're powerless, we're isolated, we're surrounded by a huge world, and we have to make adaptations, and we lose contact with these elemental guidance systems. And I'll try to be brief about this. First of all is the feeling function. You don't choose your feelings. Your feelings are autonomous, qualitative responses by your psyche to how things are going from the standpoint of the psyche, not the standpoint of ego consciousness. And so I can have all of those things that I thought were going to be satisfying to me, but inwardly there's no feeling link to them or the feeling link is, is very transient, as I mentioned. Secondly, um, we, we have symptoms. Ironically, in my field, we welcome symptoms because they tell us something is wrong. If, if somehow I am doing all the right things and I, I have symptoms like an anxiety disorder, a depression, self-medication, these are common experiences of people, then my own psyche is telling me there's something wrong here. Thirdly, we have energy systems. When you're doing what's right for you, the energy is there. Now, of course, in life, we have to mobilize our energy all the time to get up at three o'clock in the morning to change the diaper or get to work on time or meet meet the demands that life makes of us. But in the long run, if we keep mobilizing our energy in the face of uh, things that are not right for us inwardly, it's going to lead to burnout, depression, exhaustion, self-medication, and, and so forth. Fourthly, we have dreams. We have an autonomous process within us, which not only processing our life, it's it has a position, it has a point of view. If you knew that there was something inside of you that knew what was right for you, was commenting upon it, and had your best interests at heart, it would make sense to pay attention to it. So in, in my work, we we do pay attention to people's dreams. And I know people are going to say, well, I don't dream or I don't remember my dreams, but we all dream. And uh, sleep research tells us we average about six dreams per night. And if you're fortunate enough to live to be 80 years old, get this, six years of your entire life will be spent not sleeping, 
that's another matter, dreaming, that tells us that nature has a vested interest in working through the materials of your life. And if you pay attention, commenting upon it. And, and last of all, is this issue of meaning that you've touched on. If you're doing what's right for you, you'll be flooded with meaning. When I was a child, I thought happiness would be playing for the New York Yankees, I'm embarrassed to admit. And the problem is that the gods gave the, that body to Mickey Mantle, not to me. So I would have never guessed that I would spend my life um, with people in distress. But that's exactly what I've been doing, both in education and in psychotherapy, of course. But I also have found it profoundly meaningful work. And that meaning allows me to experience this journey with people and have it add to my own while I try to engage their experience. So we, we have all of these internal systems that tell us what is right for us, but we learn to override them, to, to adapt to whatever the pressures were in our environment. So part of the reconstruction of a personal authority, you know, the child has it when he's born or she is born, it's called instinct, but our instincts immediately get socialized and we become adaptive creatures. The question in the second half of life is the recovery of personal authority. From the plethora of voices that are assailing you or coming to you at any given moment, which ones come from your own depths, which are left over from your archaic history, which are the insistent demands of your contemporary environment, and how do you sort through those things? That sorting and sifting is essential to a recovery of a personal authority. Again, the chief project of the second half of life. Well, we're gonna have, we've got to cut for break and we're going to come back and talk about this uh, right after the break. Uh, we're with the distinguished J Dr. James Hollis, author of What Matters Most, Living a More Considered Life. This is Tom Laurie and you're listening to The Mentors Radio Show. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Lauren. I'm with Dr. James Hollis, a prominent figure in the world of psychology and the author of 17 books, including the best-selling What Matters Most and Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life. So we were talking about uh, a lot of things on that first segment, uh, and I know you were continuing continue with your thought, and then I've got a couple of questions. Well, to basically summarize, um, as I said, the basic project of the second half of life is a recovery of, of personal authority. That is to say, from the many voices that we have to contend with, both intrapsychic and external to us, we have to recover a sense of personal authority, find what is true, and then to find the courage to live that over time. And when you do that, then you'll feel that there's a sense of support coming from within you doesn't mean that life is going to be easy, doesn't mean that we're spared conflict and suffering. It means that if we have a sense of purpose and we have a sense of fulfillment coming out of it, then it allows us to get through some very difficult passages that are waiting for any of us. So this sense of purpose and sense of meaning, and this is where there's a lot of popular books uh, being written, mm -hmm. that I mean, it's not like sitting down and following your passion. There's a lot of work to figuring this out, isn't there? Well, there is, of course. And historically, of course, the the message about who you were and what your life was meant to be was supplied by the tribe, whatever your tribe was. You know, your traditional religions, the mythologies of your particular culture. 
and uh, they address the questions of why are we here on this planet? Who are the gods? What is their will for us? What happens when we disappear after death? Those, those questions haven't gone away, but many of the answers that linked our ancestors to transcendent values have eroded. Secondly, their, their systems their, of imagery and ritual sought to link people to a meaningful relationship to nature. We know we've really screwed that up as a culture. Um, thirdly, uh, a sense of belonging to a group. Who, who are my people? To whom do I belong? Where is home? What is the relationship of the individual community? Uh, those two were mapped out historically for most people. And fourthly, who am I as an individual? What, have, what are my duties? What are my privileges? What are, what are the expectations of my world? How am I to meet them? Now, you, you take that away and you have a, a world that's going to be spinning uh, in a kind of crazy way off in the direction of the newest shiny thing or the loudest voice or whatever. That's why in popular culture over the last century, even in a half, we, we see the emergence of uh, alternative systems of which materialism is, is the chief example. That is to say, if I have money, if I have wealth, I, I have privilege, I have opportunity, etc. It's going to make my life work. Well, we know enough uh, people, but, but are pretty miserable individuals. So somewhere there's something missing in all of that. And, uh, the, you know, the burden of meaning has shifted from the tribe to the shoulders of the individual over the last 150 years. And for many, that's too large a burden to pick up. For others, it's a privilege of a lifetime. And my work as a psychoanalyst and my work as a teacher uh, is precisely to say to individuals, Let, let's work at this together. And let's recognize that there's something in you again that knows what's right for you. And it's going to respond even if it takes you to, through some very difficult times in your life, because that's exactly what one needs. What abides within us when all around us is change? Um, in the 1860s, uh, uh, Emily Dickinson once wrote, the sailor cannot see the north, but knows the needle can. And I think that was her intuitive wisdom that was seeing the erosion of external authority to which I just referenced. And um, the need for an internal compass. Do you have a compass? What is your compass? Can you trust it? Do you turn to it when you need to? These are things that uh, Emily Dickinson was suggesting. The sailor cannot see the north, but knows the needle can. So all of us need to know if we have a compass and where to find it. So do we all need a psychoanalyst or is some of this we can sort out on our own? Well, I hope you can sort it out on your own because there aren't enough psycho psychoanalysts, that's for sure. And, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my, my role as a psychoanalyst is, is not to tell people what's right for them. It's to share the process with them so that what's right for them emerges. So many times people come in because there's a difficulty in their marriage or there's some career changes or... Their children have left and, and, and they lost their partner, whatever it is. In fact, COVID, you know, played a large role in the life of many people, as we know, when people began to realize how much their work structure, their association with the assigned duties of their employment and their colleagues there, all of these things were carrying their sense of self. And when you can no longer plug in in the old ways, a lot, a lot of folks experience disorientation, 
self-medication, anxiety states, sleep, sleeplessness, and, and so forth. And others found that it was a very rewarding time in their life where they found new interests and, and new directions in their life. So it all depended on what individuals did. when. The, and sooner or later, life operates in, in a peculiar way. It, it, it knocks on our door and says, well, here you are, next step of your journey, whether you're ready or not, here we go. Maybe it's a pleasant experience, maybe it's a traumatic experience, but these uh, transitions are outside of our control. And the question is, what resources, what resilience are we going to bring to the table? And, and that's where the individual is obliged to exercise a significant amount of uh, personal accountability. So I have been involved for over 20 years with a ministry here. I'm a good old Irish Catholic kid from Chicago, and we've run a ministry for people that have lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. And it started with the dot-com crash. Yes. And what you talk about in terms of transition, I'm very familiar. Uh, we end up with people coming in who look like they're a deer in a headlight. They've lost their identity and our all of our work in, is to help them find the next chapter in their life. Now, we're not psychoanalysts. We're just maybe a new tribe for them, uh, trying to help them sort things out. Uh, so I've seen this firsthand. And one of, one of the things you talk about, and I think what we'll do is we'll talk about in the uh, next segment, uh, I want to talk a little bit about being held hostage to our past. And you, you talked a little bit about that in the beginning, about uh, the tribe we are part of and the influence it's had on us. And I'll tell you one story after we get back from the break, and then uh, I'll let you build on that. Uh, this is Tom Laurie. Uh, you're listening to The Mentors. We're with Dr. James Hollis, the author of What Matters Most, Living a More Considered Life. This is The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Loy, and I'm with Dr. James Hollis, a prominent figure in the world of psychology and the author of 17 books, including the best-selling What Matters Most and Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life. When we ended the segment, uh, I wanted to share with you a quick story about th something I learned or saw in the work that I've done with people in transition uh, who've lost their jobs. Um, I, you know, you see people walk into the, the room where we had our meetings, and they're deer in the headlights, and uh, I got well known for doing this work and got a call from a fellow. I, I'm a graduate of Notre Dame. I got a, a fellow graduate gave me a call and he had been a, a prominent lawyer with a couple of major production houses in LA. He got into a startup. It blew up and he called me up and said he needed help. I said, I don't find jobs, but I asked him, I said, we help people find the jobs, but I asked him, I said, what, what is it that uh, you really want to do? Or what do you like doing? And he said, I never wanted to be a lawyer. I never wanted. He's 51 years old, prominent lawyer, went to law school. I said, why are you a lawyer? He says, my parents wanted me to be a lawyer. I found a lot of this where people got on a train going to nowhere and they hit the wall with transition. And it's like, I don't know how I got on that train. That's right. I'm sure this is a lot about what you talk about in the second half of life. It is indeed, Tom. And I can't tell you how many doctors and lawyers I've known through the years who've said exactly the same thing. Again, it shows us the power of the parental presence and the need to please that parent. That's, that's one of the many formative experiences of people 
you know, what do they want from me? What do I need to do to, to serve that? And every child is reading the world to sort of get messages. Is the world safe? Is it unsafe? Can I approach the other? Do I need to keep my distance? What do they want from me? How do I have to twist myself in order to become acceptable to them, to fit in, to get their approval and blessing? I mean, that goes on constantly in a child's mind because his or her survival depends on a successful adaptation to whatever that environment is. And so many people pick up very strong messages about what is expected of them and they serve it. So I, I can assure you people, uh, all of us to some degree are either serving those messages, spending our life trying to get away from them or are out there in one way or another trying to treat them, to fix them. Um, such as a life of distraction, a life of self-medication, or in, in my world, trying to work with people who have these problems. So um, we, we're never absent those expectations. We're never absent the uh, interpretations that the child made of what was going on around. One of the things that I, I've had to try to do all the time is to say to people, you're not what happened to you. Many times people understandably uh, think the world is a message to me about me. And it's not, things happen. Um, but, but we all internalize it as children, as a statement to us about what you're to do or not to do. And so we carry these messages and the messages are acquired from our, our, our surrounding, our culture. They're not inherent to who we are. That's why there's an internal conflict. That's why life is inherently traumatic. That's why uh, we are often at odds with ourselves. The better you serve those messages, the more estranged you may become from yourself. And, and that speaks to the, uh, you know, the experience of an awful lot of people. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with distinguished James, Dr. James Hollish, who is master the profound teachings of Carl Jung into practical wisdom for our everyday lives. Uh, just to for context, what is it about Young that made him different? Well, look, we are behaviors. We are cognitive processes. And, and we are also, um, you know, emotionally charged people. And you can fractionate the human being into their bodies, their minds, and their behaviors, and, and their emotional life. But there's always something missing. And that's the life of the spirit. Jung, more than anyone, raised the question of meaning. Why is it when I've achieved what I wanted to achieve in my life, it feels empty or disconnected? I had that personal experience when I was in my mid-30s, right on schedule, in, in fact. Uh, I had achieved every goal in my life. And I remember thinking, where do I go from here? What do I do? Just repeat this for the next 35 years? Um, what, what's this about? And it was out of that sense of depression. I, I was forced to ask the question, why has my psyche autonomously withdrawn its approval and support from the places where my ego consciousness has put all my energy? You know, I, I felt I had to achieve these, these goals in life. And I did that. But, but something inside is lacking. And there is the disconnect. There, there is that uh, sort of dis-ease that so many people feel. And so, as I said, so many people I've known who were lawyers or doctors uh, may be in a privileged position, but they've certainly paid for it by 
you know, offering up a piece of their soul in return for whatever the material success that they might have. Well, I live out in Silicon Valley, and I can tell you there are people who have made tons of money who are very um, uh, grumpy. Uh, you, could, you know, life just isn't, it's amazing to watch. So I, I see that firsthand. You know, I've some I've climbed some mountains along the way, and it reminds me when I get to the top, I don't spend much time at the top. And when I get down, what I think about is the journey. And I always I've always likened to remind people it's the journey that's most important. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we we so often find is when you get there, there's no there there. Right. As uh, um, the famous author said about Oakland, uh, California, that there's no there there, but <laughs> no, there's no there there at the top. When you get there, it was the journey. It was the struggle to get there that mattered. So it would seem to me then it behooves us to ask what mountains are really worth climbing. If it's about the journey, what is the journey that I find actually interesting? that sustains me, that really challenges me, that pulls me in a way that all of these alternatives does not. You know, as I said, I never expected to spend my life in public education or, or working as a psychoanalyst, but in, in time, that's, that's where I, I evolved. And I realized that the early part of life was preparing for me for that, but I had no way of knowing that. So it's essential for each person to, um, Keep the appointment with the soul, because from time to time, you know, life is going to ask you, who are you apart from your roles? Who are you apart from your resume? Who are you apart from your relationships, as important as those may be? And, and what is it that is wishing expression in the world through you? Because again, the child is always addressing the question, what does the world want of me? What do my parents want? What does the school teacher want? What do my peers want? What does the employer want? But then you have to ask a different question. It says, what does the soul want of me? And soul, by the way, as I'm using it here, is really just the uh, translation of the Greek word psyche, you know, tsuke. Uh, what, what is it that, that is most deeply true of each of us? What is it that is this entity that moves through the body, through emotional life, through the cognitive process, but is, uh, is, is elusive, that's hard to get your hand on, but in the long run, living in relationship to your own soul is something that we all have to learn to do in a new way. Because if we don't, it's going to beat us up, to tell you the truth. The symptoms will increase. The ennui, the boredom, the depression, the self-medication. Whatever our treatment plan, it's going to increase. I had a client from AA a number of years ago who said the motto of his group, this isn't working for me, but I do it very well. I think that was a brilliant statement. It could apply to any of us most of the time. Whatever my systems of operation are, they're working well. I've I've honed them to a certain degree, but but things get worse the more I do them. How do I deal with that? What's that all about? Well, we're going to come back and talk some more about that. That wraps up this segment. Uh, we have much more to talk about with Dr. James Hollis, author of What Matters Most, Living a More considered life. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. 
Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. I am with Dr. James Hollis, prominent figure in the world of psychology and the author of 37 books, including What Matters Most. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to rate us on your favorite podcast platform, Apple or Spotify or Google. Your positive comments can help others find the insights on life they're searching for. Thank you for your support. It means a lot to us. So we were talking about um, young, about a subject I want to come back to is setbacks in life, their learning experiences. I think this is the point you were making earlier. Uh, and when I deal with these people that are in transition, what I uh, advise them is to look at it as an opportunity. And they should be, back, uh, going back to my background and family and, and newspaper business, as an investigative reporter. Uh, they're in a transition that's the go out and get the story and turn over every rock. And so, and I tell them it could be an exciting, it's adventure. And of course, we have people who find that they learned a lot. They grew a lot when they look back on that experience of losing their job. And then there are others that continue down the same path that uh, really don't have any change. So I, I maybe you would comment a little bit again about setbacks and how important they are in our own growth. Well, sooner or later... <laughs> life is going to have its way with us. And sooner or later, we will have setbacks of one kind or another. The question then is, how does one go through the fire when, when that time comes? Um, you know, the, one has to ask a different kind of message. You know, what, how am I to live my life in the face of these circumstances? And sometimes it causes to radically reframe our sense of self and sense of world. And, and you're right, you know, there's naturally a moment of anxiety when one loses one's job. But then the question is, well, how is it that you would want to be spending your daily energies? Is there some way that you can manage to pay your bills and feel the sense of purpose and, and direction in your life? And something that's inside of you is corroborating that. I mean, that's, that's really the task. Uh, sometimes people have said to me, well, should I do this or should I do that? And I've usually said yes, meaning <laughs> find a way to honor both values. And this is not narcissism. It's not self-absorption, as people might think. Uh, it's paying some reference to the idea of the soul. Um, it's it's humbling. You know, <laughs> narcissism is about personal gratification. But, but this is about meaning, which is not always gratifying. Meaning is found in the most difficult of places. You know, I, I, I would say some of those moments of crisis are the most meaningful moments in our lives. And we wouldn't have wanted to go there, but we needed to. So question, what is wanting expression through me? That's a different, um, a different kind of question than what does the world want of me? And the truth is, it usually engineers the ego consciousness into a difficult place because we have to make tough choices and we have to sometimes sacrifice and sometimes we have to undergo change in ways that we don't want to change. And, and, and yet there it is. It's like the old joke. How many psychoanalysts does it take to change a, a light bulb? And the answer is only one, but the bulb has to want to change. <laughs> uh, you know, if we don't want to change, we're going to stay stuck in the same old, same old. You know, so the best way to continue uh, being miserable is keep doing what you've been doing. But on the other hand, uh, risk and stepping into the unknown is very intimidating. And sooner or later, we have to find the courage to do that. You know, you can't discount courage. Courage says, I, I want to show up 
as the best person I can be under these circumstances, over which I may have very limited, if if any, control whatsoever. And, and that's when you begin to feel you're getting your life back again. And that's what this is about. The necessary adaptations and changes and, and, and adaptations that we've obliged to make um, are perhaps useful, perhaps they need to be discarded. But the whole question is, can you get your sense of self back again, that this is your life you're living, rather than just running from, you know, one demand to another demand. This is Tom Laurie, listening to the Mentors Radio. We are with uh, Dr. James Hollis. You bring, when you talk about courage, I, Bill George, who is a former CEO of Medtronic, he's now at Harvard, uh, was on the show last year. And in between segments, we were talking, and I asked him what he was seeing in the C-suite and the, and the world of business. And he said, courage. He said, a profound lack of courage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe you could talk a little about, I mean, you just touched on that, but that's another one of those words that's haunting me. Sure, sure. Well, and of course, if it comes from the Latin core, and uh, cour in French, your heart. It means that something's coming from deep within you. Uh, you have to draw upon that. Um, why would we think that we are less equipped for this journey than our ancestors who often, who often had to go through even more difficult circumstances than we're facing? Um, because the, the, the courage has to do with stepping out there. I mean, so many times I've seen people who knew at some level what was right for them, but they're afraid of their, they're going to lose the approval of someone. If I move in that direction, I'll lose my partner, or I'll be out there by, my, by myself, and I'll be alone um, and isolated. Um, and perhaps that might happen, but in most cases, it's not really going to happen. It's the spectral fears of childhood that are still exercising their veto power. So what you have to stand up against is your childhood fear there. Once in a while, one has to face the fact that our fears will materialize. And, and it may be that's still the price of stepping into something that is more profoundly right for you. And, and you'll be rewarded by that, by that sense of purpose and so forth. As I said before, it doesn't spare us from paying the price. And what happens if we're not willing to pay the price of this journey? Well, then we never showed up. I, I have a, a, a brief motto, and I'll share it here very quickly. Shut up, suit up, show up. Shut up means in, you know, I might have my own issues or problems, but, you know, there are people out there who are dying as we speak. There are people in extreme pain. There are people whose children are being murdered. Um, I, I have nothing to complain about compared to that, so shut up. <laughs> Secondly, do your homework, prepare, work hard. You want something. Thirdly, just show up as best you can. It's not about winning and losing. It's like being on the field of play in a way that's meaningful for you. It's like, why do you climb those mountains, Tom? Well, the answer is because they're there. They pull something out of you that you find satisfying and meaningful. For someone else, that would not be the path they would take. So it's incumbent upon them to find the path that is right for them. In the end, courage sometimes comes down to desperation. It matters so much to me that I have to take this risk. I have to step into my opening possibility here. It sounds so simple in the abstract, but when you're there, 
it's life-threatening to do that, but it's life-threatening not to step into that. That's the price. What's the price? I've often said to individuals, well, something in you seemingly is calling out for change. What if your current life is the same as it, or it will be the same five years from now, 10 years from now? And I think that's a horrifying prospect. And I think, well, then you really decided to make a change. When are you going to make that change? When are you going to pull your resources together and step into this opening opportunity? That's the kind of thing that all of us have to face sooner or later. And again, it can come in the venues of marriage or as our children depart or the loss of a relationship or the loss of a job or aging or illness or a thousand venues where you have to say, I, I am more than what happened to me. I'm what is wanting expression through me. Again, that's not narcissism. It actually leads one to service. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to cut the break. Now we're gonna be right back. We're with Dr. James Hollis. You'll find all of our show notes and links to books mentioned on this show at thementorsradio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back, this is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Dr. James Hollis. And we're talking about what matters most and finding meaning in the second half of life. And this is our last segment. And I, there's a, an area of all of this that's very, I think, very important for everyone to understand. And that has to do with the shadow and the self. And it's something that somebody brought to my attention 40, 50 years ago. Could you talk a little about the importance of understanding our shadow? Well, our, our shadow is Jung's term for those parts of ourselves that when brought to our conscious awareness, we find troubling, disturbing, uh, inconsistent, perhaps with our values. No one wants to be thought of as a jealous and petty person, but there are times we act in petty ways or jealousy takes over or none of us wishes to be uh, someone who, who is controlling and manipulative. And yet maybe we're called out by someone else and saying, this is exactly what you've been doing to me. And then we're forced to face our shadow. Again, shadow's not evil. It represents our full humanity. And much of that humanity is, is autonomous. And, you know, why would I think that I'm, I'm somehow, uh, you know, exempt from these normal impulses of human nature? The wisest thing ever said about the shadow came from the Latin playwright Terence over two millennia ago, who said, nothing human is alien to me. So I have to acknowledge within me is is the cheat the the liar the violent person all and there's also the saint and there's also the the you know the the good rational person etc all of humanity is contained within me and if i'm not paying attention to where it's coming from in me my behaviors will often be in service to the shadow that's why i've said often to people when you have an important decisions to make there are two questions you need to ask yourself first of all if you go down that path or this path, what is that in service to inside of you? That's not an easy question because what it's in service to inside of you may in fact be unconscious. It may be serving the shadow and you don't know it. And, and, and secondly, you have to say, does this choice enlarge me psycho-spiritually or does it diminish me? And we usually know the answer to that question. We usually know that we're taking the safe way out or, or, or we're not being fully honest with ourselves or, or with others. 
And when that happens, then there's an accountability. All of what we're talking about today, Tom, is, is found in that one word, accountability. I may say I'm very accountable as a parent or, or I pay my bills on time, I stop at stoplights, but I'm not being accountable because I'm not paying attention to what's happening inside of me, where it's coming from, what are the engines, so to speak, that are making decisions for me? How thrilled are you to find or to realize that maybe it was the four-year-old inside of you that made a big decision last week and had an impact on you and others? Or maybe it was the 10-year-old inside of you. The point is, we are accountable for all that spills out of us into the world. And that sooner or later requires us to confront our, our shadow existence. And one last point about that. Uh, Jung said the biggest shadow issue is not that we are capable of evil, but as we are, rather we live small, ad adaptive, and often comfortable lives, stepping into the largeness of what this journey asks of us is our single biggest shadow issue. He said we all walk in shoes too small for us, psychologically speaking. That's not about getting a promotion at work or making more money. That's about being accountable. And when I'm accountable, I am a better citizen. I'm a better partner. I'm a better parent. And I have a better relationship with myself. Well, we're going to close with that. I, I really appreciate the time that you've given us, Jim. Uh, we've been with uh, the distinguished Dr. James Hollis, who's masterfully translated the profound teachings of Carl Jung into practical wisdom for our everyday lives. And you've heard a lot of that today. Again, thank you for joining us. If you've missed any of the show, you will find a link in our show notes, including links to uh, Dr. Hollis's books, What Matters Most and Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life on our website, thementorsradio.com. That's thementorsradio.com. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved. <laughs>